Three years ago, the National Collegiate Athletic Association raked in a record $1 billion in revenue from media right fees, ticket sales, corporate sponsorships, and a slice of television ads anchored around the three-week-long tournament. The American Gaming Association estimates that the number of brackets completed is going to hit 70 million and about 9.2 billion will be gambled on the tournament. Meanwhile, 8.5 million employees are expected to spend at least an hour of company time filling out a bracket, costing their employers 2.1 billion, according to calculations by Challenger, Gray and Christmas. Big brands will also take their piece of the profits, but the NCAA conference commissioners and execs will see the heaviest cash out. Basically, March Madness is the NCAA's bread and butter. College athletics governing body will earn somewhere around $900 million in revenue from the tournament, representing about 90% of its annual revenue. On the surface, that seems like cause for outrage, especially in light of how much the players earn, which is nothing. One of the most lucrative contracts connected with the tournament is the one of the broadcast rights. In 2010, the NCAA signed a 14-year, $10.8 billion contract with CBS Sports and Turner Broadcasting, paid over the 14-year term. The deal was extended in April 2016 with a combined total rights fee of $8.8 billion that will keep the tournament on the networks until 2032. According to the NCAA, about 96% of the money it collects immediately flows out to the Division I membership. It's the only system in place that assigns a monetary value based on athletic performance. How it's divided. In 2017, 68 teams got an invitation to play in the tournament. Each of those teams' conferences will get a piece of a $220 million pot of money. For each game a team plays, its conference gets a payout spread over six years. For playing one game, the team's conference gets roughly $1.7 million. If a team makes it all the way to the final game, it can earn as as many as five units, totaling $8.3 million. If a team makes the final game from the first four brackets, it could earn a total of six units. The NCAA urges conferences to divide the money equally among their member schools. Larger conferences, which have multiple sources of income, routinely divide up most of the money and send it to their school's athletic programs. Smaller conferences, however, count on that money to cover their own expenses. Only the money that's left over goes to member schools. In fact, most schools don't make money on their basketball programs. Only about one-third of schools made a profit or broke even in 2013-2014 to school year. At the top, the University of Louisville, which brought in more than $24.2 million of profit during the same school year, the University of Arizona was second at $17.7 million. 
There's a lot of money flowing. This information comes directly from Investopedia. I'm looking at various articles on where does the money go? $900 million in revenue from the tournament, representing about 90% of its annual revenue. The TV contracts, the money that's, that's flowing. When you follow the money, it's going everywhere, but to the very thing that you're watching. None of the players get paid that we know of. Everything is is for the executives, the TV producers, uh, the, the TV companies. Everything around the game gets paid. But the actual players get nothing. What What is the lesson to this? What is the lesson to all of this? I think the lesson is stop trying to be a player. Stop trying to get on the court. On the court is not where the money is. So there's a couple of different things to look at here. You can look at it and say, hey, these guys are all profiting off of college basketball. Huh, that's not right. They're profiting off of it and the players aren't getting paid. And you can be irate about that. And that is true. But then you also got to look at it and say, where are they profiting at? And how come we don't have a piece as investors? Both can be true. You can want a piece and want the pl- players to get paid as well. Why can't both be true? If we all get in a piece of this pie, how do I get a piece of that pie? How come it's only in, in, those, in those pockets? Those are the questions that are running through my head is like how much of how much of those dollars are making it into black equity? And I think once we have that answer, that tells us everything we need to know. Cause it ain't just March Madness, it's it's all the the, the college football, everything that they say is amateur. Everything that they say is not professional. So I just imaginary. It's imaginary. It's imaginary by calling it amateur. And the only thing that makes it amateur is that the players don't get paid. That's the only thing that makes it amateur. That's so once you pay them, it's no longer amateur. And then you lose you lose that, it becomes professional. This is a this is a this is this is the variation. This is the variation of the same word. Amateur and pro. Amateur and pro is all up to interpretation. And that within itself, that interpretation of just switching the word allows them to pocket more cash. Just by switching one word has changes the entire contract into amateur versus pro. And if you're an amateur, you can do this. The players won't get paid. If you're a pro, the players must get paid. And if the players get paid, then that means there is a higher expense because now you have salaries included. Imagine if college football, college basketball, college athletics had to pay salaries to their players. 
they would be irate because then now that cuts into the margins. This is all this is all a game of margins that basically are pocketing millions and millions, if not billions of dollars without having to compensate anyone for their salaries outside of the coaches and staffs. And when they do the research, they say the highest state, the highest state employee in 39 of the 50 states is a coach at a head athletic department. That's the highest paid state employee in 39 states. We have made football and basketball and sports. We've made it a God. And no one can question that God of football and basketball. No one can question the machine that goes into it. No one can question the college versus pro. They've made that they made their own little world and they change words around and it allows them to pocket off of it. And now there's all these other football leagues that are coming. Because they're, they're seeing, oh, well, we can profit off that, too. And, oh, there's there's all these college players who never make it to the pros. Well, they can come over here and work with us and we'll pay them less. And if we start if we start off, you know, at a low amount, you know, we're good. We're 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 gravy. You know, if the max contracts are only a million dollars, we control the budgeting of our our salaries. So yeah, yeah, come on over here. These two, three, four other leagues. Now basketball is looking at these other smaller leagues. Everybody's pocketing off these gods that these humans have made. And the God that they've made is sports. All these different industries have become like what people run to. You look up, you you see what industry you want to be in, and then you play within that industry. That's what people are doing. So people are looking at sports and athletics saying, hey, that's the industry I want to be in. I want to be in medicine. I want to be an executive. I want to be whatever you want to be. Sports, entertainment, I want to be an agent. All these are great things. But everybody's pocketing off this idea of sports. They decide, okay, I'm going to work in the sports industry and I'm going to play that game, get to know those people, build great connections, learn, master my craft, all that great stuff. Because there's billions of dollars circulating in this world And I might as well put myself in the middle of it. And when I look back on my life and I say, what did I do with it? Well, I built a a empire within the sports industry. You can go do that. You can start a company and build a mini empire in sports. If you have the right product, the right service, the right skill set, there's something you can go do. Agent. Maybe you want to sell retail, whatever it is, you can center everything around sports and make really good returns. 
there's the world that they have created that has allowed that money to flow. And if you interrupt that money, it impacts the whole thing. So that's why they fight against it and say, no, it's amateur. It's amateur. Don't look over here. It's amateur. But it's, but we all know it's not amateur. The only thing that makes it amateur is that you don't pay them. And so they just keep throwing up their hands and saying they're amateurs. We had, we had, there's nothing to hide. We're, we have nothing to hide here. We're innocent. Amateur, amateur, amateur is what they'll always go to. And for the most case, if they argue amateur, if they argue, well, we want to remain amateur, they may win. But here's the thing. You should not be able to control somebody else's likeness. Okay. You want me to be there for four years or whatever amount of years I'm going to be there? Great. Uh, you don't control my likeness. You don't control what I can sign and what I can't sign. That's where my issue is. Like, okay, you don't want to pay me a salary because I'm an amateur. That's fine. But I shouldn't have to sign over my, my image and my likeness to you. That's slavery. And for those who said, well, that's not slavery. They're getting an education. Well, somebody got something during slavery. There was always an exchange of some type of value. And many would argue that that education is not given to um, a gift to the student. It's a gift to the family. Many would argue that the family profits off of the education of the child because then the child should be able to go out there and make really good money and then bring that back to the family. That's the theory. Somebody is out there controlling athletes' likeness. They're deciding if they can sign uh, sign documents and put their signature on things. Um, you know, sign footballs, bats, whatever it is, whatever sport they're playing. No, no, you can't do that. You can't profit off of your name. You can't profit off of your likeness. Anybody else can profit off their likeness in the entire world. Everybody else, five-year-olds, six-year-olds can get on YouTube. Everybody's profiting off of their likeness besides athletes. And frankly, I'm tired of even having to to even have to say it because most of the athletes that I've met have never wanted to sit down and have this conversation because they just want to compete for the love of their game. And I feel like they get they get sucked into a new world and then they don't never want to have the conversation about, you know, being treated equally and being treated fair. They just Go on and walk the plank and sit and look around and see that everybody else is doing it. And they want to be part of the system. They want to be part of the program. And so they, they kill off a, a part of themselves to be a part of it. People will sign their life away just to be a part of something. Stop giving up your image and your likeness. I'm at the point now where I can't even be mad 
at NCAA. Y'all are doing it. What are y'all signing? Why are you giving up your rights? Why are you giving up your intellectual rights, your own property, just to play this game? Somebody like a number one recruit has to say, no, I'm not doing it. Find a number one recruit out of high school, say, I'm not doing it. I'm not giving over my likeness. And instead, I'll use this time to go build my own video game, build my own shoe. That's why you can't be mad at Lonzo Ball. Build your own stuff. Why are we giving away all of our power to Nike, to NBAs, to this, to that? We're giving away all of our cool power, the power of culture. We give it away for a small price tag. For a small price tag, they're, they're, it, it, the question is, what is the price of culture? What is the price of culture? And how much is it really worth? Because y'all are taking one cent on the dollar of your worth. One cent on the dollar of your worth. Giving it all up so then you can say, I played amateur football. And I played for this big school and that big school and this school and that school. So you can look back on your life when you're 30, 40, 50 years old and say, hey, son, hey, daughter, I played there. That, I mean, that's, it's all for the memory. You just want to create some type of a memory so you can say, well, I did that. I was, I was, that was me. I was there. I, I did that. I lived that life. See, I got the pictures to prove it. And to get that moment in your memory You give up a part of yourself just to get it. You could create your own memory. You can go do something that's just as phenomenal as that and create your own memory with that same time. That same time, go create something else of memory. Because what is the real price of culture? What are we doing? 